Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We know how the internet has changed the way we buy everything from food to shoes, but it's also affecting how we make our biggest and longest-term financial commitment of our lives, buying or renting a house. There are online real estate sites like Zillow and Trulia and rental listings on Craigslist, but most people are not buying or renting a house sight unseen, like you'd buy shoes from Zappos. Instead, they're using online resources that are both informative and influencers. These organizations research and report on real estate trends, but they also contribute to creating them. The hippest, smartest, and most influential of these is a real estate blog called Curbed. Curbed is local to the cities it focuses on, but it's part of a nationwide new media company called Vox Media, whose other properties include Eater and The Verge. Here in New Orleans, Curbed is run by its editor, Missy Wilkinson. Missy, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. The bar for entry in some businesses is low. For example, you can set up shop on Etsy in about five minutes, and 24 hours later, you could be selling whatever that you're making in your bedroom to customers around the world. And that's what Liz Mottie Cook did with her handmade stationery and greeting card business. Liz was a guest on Out to Lunch when she was just starting out, and things have changed markedly for her company, Lionheart Prince. Lionheart Prince is now a brick-and-mortar business with a storefront and print shop on Magazine Street that looks and feels like a store you'd walk into in Manhattan. Liz, welcome Out to Lunch. Thank you so much for having me. What nice words. Oh, it is. <laughs> Missy, it's generally accepted that Curbed is the hippest contributor in the country to the real estate conversation. Curbed is informative, it compares rents, and unlike other news outlets, it doesn't report on what has happened, so much as it is focusing on what's happening. Curbed reports on great deals that are out there and available, but it also seems to find a fair number of outrageous and downright absurd real estate listings. In this way, Curbed manages to be both an insightful resource and entertaining. In business, that's a pretty unique combination to pull off. You're a professional writer and editor, not a professional real estate broker, but you're responsible for, if not creating, then certainly highlighting real estate trends. It's a fairly influential position. How do you approach your role? Uh, Are you looking principally for online eyeballs and entertainment, or are you consciously trying to affect the real estate market here in New Orleans? I... I'm not looking to affect the real estate market. Our first loyalty is always to our readers, um, to getting important local stories in front of them. And I really like finding weird or outstanding or um, otherwise unusual homes that people might be curious about. I I think as New Orleanians, we have so much cultural stuff at our fingers as far as food and music goes, but architecture is a big part of it as well that isn't always um, emphasized. And, and, you know, some of the ways you present the information is terrific. Like, I was just looking at you online just now, and you've got, like, what would $1,500 get you 
uh, for rent in these various parts of the city. I mean, that's the conversation people want to have. Right. Well, I think that there's so much concern about affordability and rents going up and the role of short-term rentals and how that's factoring into the equation. And I mean, there is truly a rent crisis here and we're, we suffer with poverty. So because of the intersection of all those factors, housing is, is really a hot topic. And you, you bring up things that are actually kind of, um, well, a little bit controversial. For instance, I saw a piece you did on uh, uh, segregation, housing segregation in the past and how it leads us to where we are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people aren't aware of the history of redlining in New Orleans and in, in the rest of the country. And so when exhibits come like that exhibit that we reported on, I think it's good to let people know, hey, this is happening. Uh, this is still affecting um, black citizens in New Orleans, and it's important to know about it. And your writer by trade, you came from Gambit? It did, I did. I was there from 2009 to 2016. Well, good. I hope this, this gig will last that long, right? I mean, who knows? I mean, as a freelance journalist, you kind of have to go with the flow. It's pretty <laughs> uncertain from day to day. <laughs> Liz, your greeting cards say things like, for an anniversary, I can't believe we're still together. An appreciation card says, I don't know where I'd be without you, probably jail. And a birthday card says, your birthday is almost my favorite birthday. All of this seems to reflect the same kind of hip positivity. Uh, it's upbeat, but self-aware enough to have just a hint of irony. When you started out, everything was a reflection of your own personality and taste because you were creating everything yourself. Now that you're growing, do you have to temper what you design and what you stock now to accommodate a a broader market, or do you still filter everything through your own personal taste? Absolutely. Um, Actually, I've learned a lot over the past few years. I definitely have, like... um, I get very excited about a lot of things and it's easy to be like, oh, I could do t-shirts or I could do mugs or whatever and, you know, um, get distracted. And why don't you? Well, it does. um, Looking back on it, it's like the logistics of shipping a bunch of mugs um, is very difficult and makes it expensive. And I can't compete with China. T-shirts, it's already like a very saturated market. We're putting tariffs on them. You're going to win, really. And I want to, to answer the question, I, I want... I think there's something magical about when something is handmade and you can really feel and see like when you come into our store it's half of it is our studio so you can like actually see us making the things and there's something really special about that and I've I've lost that magic when I've tried to do to compete with bigger companies or um, do things that are already very in the market and it's like why are we doing that it doesn't even make sense we're making products that we can make in-house and we're getting much better margins, uh, so financially it makes a lot of sense, and um, it feels more authentic to the brand. And it, I, I think that there's just something so special about um, having control over the entire process, rather than outsourcing. And you're everything, chief bottle washer. <laughs> yeah, that's that? right. Uh, um, I design all the artwork. I come up with a copy and um, put it all together. I've got a great team, though. I've got a wholesale manager who is amazing. She does all of the relationship management for all of our wholesale clients, which has been a huge... Now, what would a wholesale client look like for you? Uh, retail stores. So, like, um, gift stores, boutiques all across the country sell our cards in their shops. Um, stationery sh- stores like Paper Source. Um, we've been carried by Urban Outfitters in their card sl- selection for a long time. Um, and then I also have a retail manager who makes sure that all of our shop girls are, you know, at work on time and that we're stocked on everything that are, is selling really well. Um, and together we make it happen. We've got a really amazing team. Well, the one thing I wanted to start with is you made a really difficult conscious effort to go ahead and have a bricks and mortar store. That yeah. had to been a lot of time thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
the summertime definitely made me wonder how insane I was for doing this, but then it's <laughs> slow uh, period, right? Yeah, there. but um, but because I've built this business out of a bedroom studio and been able to scale through wholesale, um, I knew that having the different pillars of my business would enable us to, you know, keep growing and keep um, making awesome things. But it's definitely this is we just finished our first um, calendar year since opening on Magazine Street, so it's been we quadrupled overnight. I had to, you know hire a bunch more team members and um, the shift of our business really changed being on Magazine Street because we have so much more foot traffic than we ever had before. So I've learned so much this year and uh, I am really excited about going in um, with a lot more equipment. Um, I will be producing a lot more. Um, and we're going to be able to see it in the store. Absolutely. That That's is. the coolest part. Like, um, <laughs> we're going to have a stationary bar where you actually be able to come in and pick out your design and watch us make it for you. I thought like a bar where you actually uh, had too much to drink and made your own greeting cards. That would be frightening. That would be cool, that too. Would be too. I don't yeah. know. Missy, where do the real estate stories come from? That is a, a really... Good question. I'm always curious. I love to ask other journalists, like, where do you find your stories? Because I think everybody has different ways and different answers. For me, I find the stories basically two ways. One is I spend a lot of time trolling on Redfin and Craigslist, looking for unusual listings that have a lot of character for whatever reason. The other is talking to people and kind of keeping your eyes and ears open. Um, like, I talk to one of the board members for the Lafitte Greenway. And he was like, you know, the Lafitte Greenway is actually not completed. There's actually supposed to be another half mile of it. Or not, maybe not a half mile. There's supposed, it's supposed to be longer. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. I think just living, being embedded in a community, talking to people in that community, and being curious, and that will lead you to interesting stuff. And how do you, um, how do you make your money? Well, fortunately, with Curved, I have a salary. Um, okay. So my job there is part-time. It's a 29-hour-a-week part-time job, and I basically get a set amount of income from them. Um, I have a few other freelance clients. I write for the New Orleans Advocate. Um, I do some copywriting for local businesses, and I'm uh, the advisor for the student newspaper at the University of New Orleans. Wow, you're and all so over the place. Those are my main Same gigs. Same theme, though. That's good. Yeah, yeah. it's all in it's that journalism wheelhouse. It's not like you're running a Mexican restaurant on the side or something. You're always, you're all I mean, I've got some things. weird side hustles, but this isn't the place <laughs> to talk about it. <laughs> And what about Vox Media? I mean, they're not a real estate broker, so how do they uh, how do they make money in the whole operation? Well, you know, the interesting thing about Vox is it's a media company, but it's also a tech company, and they have really done some cool licensing deals with some of the platforms that we use to create content. Um, there's this content. I mean, it's technically a content management system, but it's a lot more. It's called Chorus. They license it actually to other news outlets. Um, they have they create sponsored content. They have partnerships with um, like Netflix and do shows there. Um, so they get revenue from a lot of different sources. And do do real estate companies advertise on your um, on your site? Local ones don't. Uh, we do more. Uh, I guess like branded partnerships with larger companies like uh, Capital Bank for one bank for example is sponsoring this series that we do called Curbed Comparisons which is what you were alluding to earlier yeah. when it's like hey what does $1,500 a month rent you in New Orleans so with that like anytime you click on that although they don't influence what I write at all you'll see that Capital One logo like on those because we have that partnership with them. You're listening to Out to Lunch I'm Peter Raschuti I'm talking with Missy Wilkinson editor of the online real estate blog Curbed and Liz Motty Cook owner and artist at Lionheart Prince. Liz, this is allegedly a bad time for retail. How are you doing up against the internet, or do they they work together for you? I'm so glad you asked me that, because I this is probably the thing that I'm most proud about with our store. 
we we know that we're competing against the internet, but we're also not. Uh, humans are social creatures, and there's something magical when you walk into a small shop and somebody is there to like hang out with you and be your friend and talk to you and like you. We hear all the time from our customers, um, people who walk in the door, just say like, "I it feels so good in here." Like. It, I just feel happier when I'm leaving, and we have a little glittery notebook on our at our register to make sure that we write down all the nice things that people say to us so that we remember when it gets hard why we do this. And to me, it's all about the community that we're creating. You know, we are we have a story to tell about every product that we carry in the shop. It's a very genuine experience as opposed to what is dying is mass market retail. Like malls are dying, um, cheap. Clothing is going out of fashion. Like people want the real stuff and they want real connections. So, you know, I still shop on Amazon for like office supplies that I could get at a chain store. But if it's something that, you know, is more personal, like I want to shop local. Like I, I want to get all my shoes from the local shoe stores. I want to uh, stop into all the cool shops that are just like ours. You know? Do you have any feel for how much of your business is locals versus tourists? Because we oh tourists my gosh. are coming all the way up now. Yeah, for sure. We ask, I mean, it's part of our kind of natural banter whenever we um, are greeting customers. It's like, so are you visiting or whatever? It seems like eight out of 10 people who walk through the door are visiting, which is really cool. Because I thought that magazine was more of like a local destination and it is but that's just how much foot traffic is actually from people visiting do you advertise to the uh the people that are coming in town or they're just kind of drifting by they're kind of drifting by we have like a really good spot on magazine one of the reasons that i I pounced on this real estate was that i knew that that is where it's where people go to shop like this specific goodies yeah we're right slim goodies right right between henline and nola couture and lucy rose so our block is just like a cluster of really awesome locally owned uh women owned stores and um it's yeah it's really refreshing when people um come in and get introduced to our brands and then go out back to wherever they are and they remember this special experience and it's not just another you know chain store right. where they can get they the become same evangelist thing. for your store well yeah because they felt so good yeah. when they were in there they're like those are my friends at lionheart Missy and Liz, this is the part of the show we call your brother-in-law. You're about to quit work for the day and go off to dinner when your phone rings. It's your brother-in-law. He usually only calls when he thinks you might have changed your Netflix password because he can't sign on to your account. But this time, it's different. This time, he's calling you about business. Uh, Missy, your brother-in-law says Curbed is missing out on a potential gold mine in New Orleans. Although we have the hippest music scene in the country, we don't have any kind of hip online music presence. Uh, Gambit and Offbeat are a bit conservative, and the hipper print options, Where You At and Anti-Gravity, aren't particularly influential online presences. Your brother-in-law says he's prepared to head up a local division of Curbed and do for the music scene here what you're doing for real estate. What do you say? Do you think Curbed music would work? No. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, don't sugarcoat it. It's... A... I do not think that would work. Our focus is real estate, transportation, and development. All the time I get interesting press releases uh, about stuff like food, and I have to kick it over to Eater because that's just not our area, you know? So I have to say no. I don't think that's a good idea. But but creating a separate... uh, Like an Eater. uh, Yeah. A feeder. Oh, great, great. This is what we need. That's why you make greeting cards. There's um, (laughs) But if you had like a separate service that kind of did for music what you've done for real estate. I... No, I'm nope. going to tell my brother-in-law no. I think that the outlets that we have here are already doing a bang-up job. I don't think that there's a need for better music coverage than what we have. I think we have great journalists doing great work. 
Do you have a brother-in-law? I, I do. Oh, good. Okay. And I love to shoot him down. <laughs> <laughs> now it's getting really personal. Liz, your brother-in-law says he has a great idea for a line of greeting cards called I Hate You. For example, sports team fans who hate other sports teams, say LSU fans who hate Bama or Saints fans who hate the Falcons, uh, Republicans who hate liberals and liberals who hate NRA members, your brother-in-law says there are so many people who genuinely hate each other these days, there's got to be a big greeting card market out there for them. What do you tell your brother-in-law? Is he, is he on to something? Well, I would tell my brother-in-law to start his own card company and see how it works. <laughs> Um, but I would ask him as he begins his new card company that I would not touch with a 10-foot pole. Um, are you sending cards to random Atlanta fans or is this somebody that you know that, and it's like, so we get ideas all the time from people like, oh, you know what? That would be a great greeting card. And it's like, okay, tell me when you're going to buy that. Tell me what occasion that is going to come up, you know? It's just not right for my line because everything that we make is either going to make you laugh or make you feel loved or make you feel encouraged. That's what I um, thought when I went It's all in. rooted in positivity because I feel like that is what makes... Um, Have we ever needed that more? Uh, no. That's why, yeah, I'm in the b- business of spreading good vibes, and we really need it now. <laughs> now, Missy, I, I have to ask you about... Um, in that we have to figure out how do you get a market and how do you know who your market is? I, I look at it and I would think people on the younger end of the spectrum. Do you know who does read it? Um, from what I can tell, you know, we, we're lucky because our network is nationwide. You know, so we have the curbed site and then we have these 13 city sites of which New Orleans is one. So we pull both a national readership and a readership that's local to New Orleans. And it tends to be developers, real estate agents, architects, um, and people that are just interested in homes. That's who I see commenting and being engaged with our with our outlet. I've got to ask you kind of a corporate question. The uh, In terms of the other cities and the, the main company, do you work together on ideas, or does it, is it competitive? We do sometimes collaborate on, on large projects, yes. Um, before I came on board, there was you know a big uh, tricentennial project for New Orleans where some other writers beyond our local editor came together and did some long-form pieces. And So yeah, we do co- collaborate on projects sometimes. And Liz, now that you've got it all together over there and you've got a lot of people coming through, what, what do you, if you were to make that decision to... Uh, build another store i mean what first of all you don't have to do it and people when they're happy maybe should just stay happy but what are the things you'd have to look at you know and I, I think about that a lot um you know i'm from oklahoma city i grew up in norman and i was just visiting back for thanksgiving and there were definitely some neighborhoods that i was looking at i was like man it would be kind of cool that and then i have to like swap my wrist and remember that like what we're building in our flagship store is really, really special, and I want that to be the destination, but I want it to, to come from this one place so that all of our wholesale customers who have retail shops all over the country, when they bring us on, they know that it's coming from this magical little studio on Magazine Street. Um, if I open, I don't know, I just feel like there's something about what we're doing right, I'm not, I'm I'm, I'm not going to open another store anytime soon, but maybe someday, but probably not, but maybe someday, but most likely not. I don't know. <laughs> that is very, very honest. They, uh, you know, I, when you were talking earlier, I kept thinking about, you said you have retail outlets in different parts of the country that your wholesaler takes care of. Do you have to give people territory? Um, we're not that big yet, so... Yes, if a customer, we, we have a couple stores that like, they like, you know, 
they have kind of turf wars. Like there's a couple of stores in Santa Monica where we know they're like, okay, if we're selling to one, then like we don't get to be in the other. And and you kind of hear about these little mini shop rivalries. We haven't encountered that too much. We are just not in that many stores. Um, but if we were to get representation like in a, in a rep group or something in a, in a trade show, then um, zip code protection would definitely be like part of the plan. But um, yeah, I mean, we wouldn't sell to a store right next door. Right. Liz, the whole world of retail is difficult to navigate. To succeed in it, you need to find a bridge between the online world and the real world. And at the same time, you need to be able to carve out a unique retail experience that shoppers can't replicate online. You're successfully pulling that off at Lionheart Prince. And Missy, you're managing to bridge the online and the real worlds in a totally unique way at Curbed. Uh, we've long known that New Orleans is the most beautiful and hippest place to live in, in the country. Somehow you managed to find an online way to remind us of this each week. So Missy and Liz, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thanks for the food. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Missy Wilkinson, editor of Curbed, and Liz Mottycook owner and artist at Lionheart Prince. You can find out more about Lionheart Prince and Curb by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to the show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify, and you can find all of our podcasts at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and It's New Orleans' Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and by Basics Swimming Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast, and by Orange Theory Fitness. 